Today's uh, message is titled, Proclaim the Gospel. We're in the series of Walk in Christ, and this walking in Christ produces a gospel proclamation. The mission of College Church, as you know, is to proclaim the gospel, and that it is a, priv- a privilege. I want to argue today that our text in Colossians, so we're going to go in our Bibles to Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. And as we read this text tonight, I want you to notice that the emphasis of the text is to advance the gospel. Let's read it and let's see that together. Colossians 4, verses 2 to 6. Continue selflessly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. God, we pray that you will allow me to communicate your word with clarity tonight, that your word will be understood and remembered by each one of us, that we will be challenged to pray for the progress of the gospel, and that we will be challenged to walk in wisdom to speak of our Savior to an unbelieving world. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Why should we proclaim the gospel? If we see the book of Colossians, the answer will be because Christ is in us. Therefore, the proclamation of the gospel does not move forward through my strength. But the proclamation of the gospel moves forward through Christ's strength. So what is moving us to tell somebody else, hey, I want to tell you about Jesus. What is moving us to do that? Christ in us. He is moving us to go and declare his name to those in the world. If we are walking in Christ, we will make his name known. As I said before, we do not do this in our own strength. We do it in Christ's strength. So, our text is telling us tonight, Colossians 4, 2-6, Christians, I call it church, work hard in Christ's strength for the progress of the gospel. That is our argument. If you are going to learn something tonight, learn this. Work hard in Christ's strength for the progress of the gospel. And our text also shows us that we do that in two ways. Number one, by praying 
for the declaration of the gospel. Praying. Number two, we do it by participating in the declaration of the gospel. Verse 2, Colossians 2 says, Continue steadfastly in prayer. Continue steadfastly in prayer. So, what is that text telling us? The first pursuit of the gospel, of the progress of the gospel, is to recognize that the gospel will advance by Christ's power through prayer. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. This is not a personal project that will make the gospel advance. We need to recognize that often this is a challenge. We find ourselves ignoring this command and we feel as we are being disobedient to the word of God and we don't share the gospel. If we look back to our behavior and we see that we haven't been sharing the gospel and then we feel guilt. And so then we try to open our eyes and try to find an opportunity to share the gospel and try to tell somebody about the word so the guilt goes away. And that is reasonable. But there's a problem with that. Guilt will not advance the proclamation of the gospel. Guilt will not make the gospel of Christ to move forward. Our text tonight is telling us that what moves the gospel forward is prayer. There is no Christian that will move the gospel forward by their own strength or a church that will move the gospel forward but through prayer. Apostle Paul, in those verses 2 to 4, our first section, commands the Colossians to devote themselves to prayer. Verse 2 shows us the manner of the prayer, and verse 3 and 4 shows the goal of prayer. Let's look about the manner. The manner of the prayer in verse 2 says that it has to be devoted, watchful, and thankful. That's how the prayer has to be. Let's talk about those things. Because we want to go and pray for the progress of the gospel. The text says, continue steadfastly in prayer. This describes how often the prayer should be. The prayer, says the text, must be continual. However, it is impossible to pray all the time. So what is Paul talking about? How often should we pray for the progress of the gospel? Should we pray once a year as a church or once a semester, once a week? Should we pray for the gospel every day? Well, I will answer that with other question. How often should we pray for the gospel? I answer with this question. How important is the gospel? And as we study the Bible, we know that it's very important. So the answer to that question should be, we should pray for the progress of the gospel all the time, every day. Anytime that you bow your head and you speak to the Lord in prayer, 
The progress of the gospel should be part of your requests. It should be every time. I cannot think of anything more important to ask God than the progress of the gospel. If we spend time praying for our family members who are sick, a friend who lost their job, a difficult neighbor or a demanding co-worker, we can pray for those needs. But at the end, what we want is that those people come to the understanding of the gospel. What is more important than that? So to work hard in Christ's strength for the progress of the gospel is to devote ourselves to prayer. The second manner of this kind of prayer is, says the text, being watchful in it, being watchful in the prayer. It is true that we need to devote ourselves to prayer, but we shouldn't focus on how much time we are spending in that prayer. We, we shouldn't measure, oh, how many minutes did I, pray, did I pray today? How many hours did I spend praying for the progress of the gospel? Instead, we need to focus in being watchful. Whatever the time is that you're spending. So we have a seven-week-old baby, baby boy. His name is Dawson. And as you can imagine, these weeks are not the best for sleep for us as parents. And we are thankful for a baby. But the reason our sleep is not that great is because we need to be watchful for Dawson's needs. We need to make sure that he eats properly, that he's not cold or too hot, that he's breathing throughout the night, and he's sleeping comfortably. Our senses over his needs are amplified. Being watchful in, in prayer is to be awake and alert in the same way. Therefore, being watchful means being attentive and engaged. When I'm praying and not just repeating primitive phrases without understanding its meaning, being watchful also implies that we are aware of our surroundings. We should know what is happening in the world and aware of what is happening and what is threatening the progress of the gospel so we can pray for that. Aware of the names of those people who don't know the gospel so we can pray for them. To work hard in Christ's strength for the progress of the gospel is to be watchful in prayer. And then the third manner in this text is with, with thanksgiving. So verse 2 says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. What should the Colossians be thankful for? Well, Apostle Paul talks about thankfulness throughout the book, and he says that he is always thankful before God when he prays for the Colossians for the hope laid up for them in heaven, Colossians 1.3. He prays that they will give thanks to the Father for the inheritance that they share with the saints with the saints in Colossians uh, 1.12. The Colossians should be also abounding in thanksgiving because they received Christ, 
Colossians 2, 7. They should be thankful because the peace of Christ rules in their hearts. Colossians 3, 15 and 16. They should be thankful because everything they do, they do it in the name of the Lord. Colossians 3, 17. Christians, we are thankful because Christ is in us as the Colossians. And we are in Him. We must fill our prayers with thanksgiving to God. One of the reasons prayer becomes so pointless is because we do not spend time giving thanksgiving to God. How can we be passionate to share the gospel to the world if we are not thankful for the Christ that is in us? We need to pray with thanksgiving and say, God, Lord, thank you for Christ in me. You gave me a hope laid up in heaven, and I am thankful for such an incomparable gift in Christ Jesus. Then I will be able to speak to those who lost everything and share with them the wonderful gift that we have in, in Jesus Christ. We should pray, thank you, God, for the unity that I have with Christ, because in him I can find peace. Then we'll be able to speak to those whose lives are in trouble and speak of the peace that we have in Christ. Then we will invite them to join us in this gospel we believe so they can experience this peace that is undescribable. To work hard in Christ's strength for the progress of the gospel is to pray with thanksgiving. That is the manner. But verses 3 and 4 describes that the goal of the prayer is the progress of the gospel. More specifically, two things. One, opportunities to share the gospel. Number two, clarity to speak the gospel. The text says, at the same time, says Apostle Paul to the Colossians, verse 3, Pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. Notice that this is how the Colossians should pray for Apostle Paul and those with him. That God may open to them a door for the word. In other words, that Paul will have opportunities to declare the mystery of Christ while he is in prison. That's what we understand when we read the text. Now, the mystery of Christ is the one, says Colossians, hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. The mystery is that Christ is in his saints, and he is proclaimed to everyone that might receive him, including the Gentiles, says Colossians 1, 26 and 27. Christ is for everyone. That is the mystery. And Christ is, Christ is in those who believe in him. Those are good news for Paul. Those are good news for the Colossians. In church, that is also good news for us. Apostle Paul highlights the fact that he is in prison. And instead of asking for his freedom, he requests that God 
may open a door for the word. No, he did not open. He didn't ask for an open door of the prison he was in or the place he was in in prison. He asked for an open door for the word. He does not care for the consequences of preaching the word as long as the word is not captive. Therefore, let us pray that God will open a door, that he will give an opportunity to declare Christ, to make him known among the outsiders, among the world. Pray for open doors for the word in hard places where Christians are persecuted. Pray for college church pastors so that God will provide opportunities for them, for us, to proclaim Christ. Pray for your small group leader so they will be able to share the word with their, their neighbors. Pray for your small group members, for the members of college church so they might have opportunities to share the gospel wherever they go. Pray that our church will declare the mystery of Christ, that God will open doors for us to work hard in Christ's strength for the progress of the gospel is to pray for open doors for the word. And then verse 4, Colossians 4, 4 says, that I may make it clear which is how I, which is how I ought to speak. Now, Apostle Paul requests that he will make the mystery of Christ clear. The mystery of Christ is not a mystery for us anymore. The Holy Spirit, through his word, revealed the riches of Christ, and now we understand what we have in that gospel. But the mystery of Christ is a mystery for those who did not believe in that gospel yet. They do not understand. It is a mystery to them. It is a challenge to share the gospel with unbelievers. It is a challenge to communicate the gospel with clarity to unbelievers because everyone that you cross roads with have a different background, different barriers, different beliefs, different things that hinder their understanding of the gospel. Even if we have an opportunity to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ, they might not understand it. And that is why Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer that I may make it clear, that I may make the gospel clear for those who are willing to hear. Let me tell you, that's something that I ask many people throughout this week. Pray for me so that I may make the gospel clear to you tonight that I may the word of God this text clear to you I hope the Lord is answering but let us pray for clarity for our pastors for our leaders brothers and sisters in Christ let us pray that we will prepare ourselves as well as well to be ready to declare the mystery of Christ with clarity to work hard in Christ's strength for the progress of the gospel is to pray for a clear gospel presentation. Prayer, verses 
2 to 4, is the first step to advance the gospel. Which should result automatically in a powerful movement of gospel presentation, gospel declaration. That is how the church will move forward, declare the gospel to the world. So prayer is the first thing we need to do. That is the first step in our text today. And practically speaking, that is the first thing we should do in our Christian lives. Before stepping forward in our own strength, we need to pray so the gospel may be declared. The second thing is to participate in that declaration. Verses 5 to 6. Those verses, Colossians 4, 5 to 6, commands us to take an active part in the declaration of the gospel. This is not a work that we're going to divide among the church and say, okay, so this half is going to pray, and this half over here is going to go share the gospel. But the text is saying everybody in the church has to share the gospel. Everybody has to pray, and everybody has to go out and declare the gospel. We are all responsible for both of them. So how, how do we do that? How do we declare the gospel of Jesus Christ? And Paul, Apostle Paul, in this text gives us two simple ways to declare Christ after praying. He says, walk in wisdom and speak with grace. That's it. Walk in wisdom and speak with grace. Verse 5 says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. So in the end of chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, we saw that Christian household, a Christian household in that time was different. They stand out from what the culture was saying. A Christian family had a special way of managing their household. And Throughout the book of Colossians, Apostle Paul makes a distinction between the difference on the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. What is that? What, what does, how can we see the difference between those two wisdoms? The way we live. The text says, to walk in a manner Colossians 1.10 says, To walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. If that is what outsiders, people in the world, those who don't know Christ, see in us, regardless of your circumstances, your age, your economic status, it doesn't matter where you are at. If you walk this way in wisdom, they will see that the gospel you believe is real. And that's what we want. If we walk in the wisdom of God, it will be evident to the world that the truth we believe is real. Then the text continues in verse, in verse 5 and says, making the best use of the time. So this phrase over here, is developed on the context of an interaction with unbelievers. And, and we see that Christians have a certain way to address themselves to each other. 
Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in them richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. There, there is this conversation, this learning together as a church. We learn and grow and our conversations are around the gospel. But that does not happen with unbelievers. We don't have many opportunities to do that. So how can we open a door so we can have these kind of conversations, spiritual conversations with unbelievers? And the answer is walk in wisdom, making the best use of your time. If you are faithful in your job, if you do everything with excellency as for the Lord in your job, if you are a good neighbor in your blog, if you show Christ wherever you go, you will have open doors to witness Christ and address people in this same way. To work hard in Christ's strength for the progress of the gospel is to walk in wisdom toward outsiders. But then there is a second thing about walking in wisdom. He says that your speech, let your speech be always gracious. Once we display this good behavior, this walking in wisdom among outsiders, the questions will come. What does it make you to be humble and respond with wisdom to others? How can you have joy after receiving bad news related to your health? How can you be hopeful after your loved one died? Then you will have an opportunity to speak to them with grace. The same way that Jesus Christ responded to those asking him questions. We should not look after being right or win the argument. We do not want to win the argument with people. We want to win them for Christ. We want them to understand that they need Jesus Christ and that they need to repent of their sin and come in repentance and believe in the Christ we believe. As a father of three, I also have another challenge, which is preparing food in a way that will be received with joy for my kids. You might have experienced that. And I have been, I have been trying to grill chicken uh, so my daughters will eat it with delight. And I learned that I can use different ingredients for chicken. But one that I cannot miss is salt. When chicken is cooked properly, and it has the right amount of salt, everyone at home will be happy, including myself. If it does not have enough salt or has no salt, I forgot to put salt on it, nobody will eat it. It will still be chicken but nobody will eat it. Our speech, the Bible says, must be seasoned with salt, must be delightful, and that determines the way it will be received. I'm not saying that you should change the truth, but the speech must be gracious and seasoned with salt. We should not share the gospel as condemning everyone to hell, with the excuse that I am telling the truth. There will be an opportunity. There will be always a good time to say the truth. 
but I must declare the gospel with grace, a season with salt. To work hard in Christ's strength for the progress of the gospel is to speak to outsiders with grace. And so in this text, we see that Apostle Paul encourages the church of Colossians to advance the gospel. They must pray for the declaration of the gospel, and they must participate in the declaration of the gospel. And that is also true for us today. This text is for you and me. We must pray for the declaration of the gospel, and we must participate in the declaration of the gospel. If we devote to prayer for the progress of the gospel and declare the gospel with our lives and grateful speech, the kingdom of God will advance. And that is why we pray, Our Father in heaven, your kingdom come. Call it church. Let us work heart in Christ's strength for the progress of the gospel. Apostle Paul said in different words, he said, for this reason, I toil, I work hard so the progress of the gospel will move forward. We must pray and declare the gospel to the world so they can join us and walk in Christ with us. Let's pray. Oh God, thank you for an open door this evening for your word. Thank you for an open door to proclaim the gospel. Thank you for teaching us and assisting us to understand and remember your gospel. My final request this evening is the same one as of the beginning. That each one of us in this room tonight will be challenged to pray for the gospel. To pray for the progress of the gospel and to walk in wisdom to speak of our Savior to an unbelieving world. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.